You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast, healing our money wounds and uncovering our limiting beliefs with money, Mitra. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm excited as always to have you here in the rocket. We're all in, get on board. We're taking off. <laughs> all right. So this week we are talking to Money Mitra about our money wounds and our limiting beliefs around money. And I'm happy because, you know, whenever I get to talk about the deep rooted things that really impact the way we handle, manage and approach money and wealth. Like that's where I really begin to light up because I really believe that digging deep is going to really allow us to make those changes we all want to see in our lives. So I'm happy to have Money Mitra on the show. Before we get into more about her, I just want to let you know that this is episode 116. So if you hear anything that you're like, oh, I want to find out more, I want to learn more, go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 116. There you'll find more information. And if you're listening to this in a podcast player, there should be like a more information button or you should be able to go into the app that you're listening and see the link directly. So once again, journeytolaunch.com slash episode 116 if you just want to go directly to the website. Now, of course, if you're on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, make sure you're following me. Share that you're listening to the episode with your family and friends. Tag me if you can. I love seeing it. I love reposting it and responding to you to thank you for listening and sharing. Also, I always have to say, if you're listening to this in Apple Podcasts, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. I read every single one. Now, more about this week's guest and topic. So Money Mitra is the founder of Psychology of Spending and is a money and mindset coach. And she helps people identify the roots of their limiting beliefs, money wounds, and stories. So she helps eliminate those money blocks and achieve financial wellness and abundance for people. Now, I am happy to connect with Mitra to have her share her story, also her background. She has a fascinating kind of background and how she was raised and where she grew up and her cultural background and how it impacted her life and finances. So I think you'll enjoy that too. So let's just jump into the episode. Okay, journeyers, we are going to be discussing a very important topic. I say this is one of the foundational pieces of getting your not only finances in order, because that's like step one, but I'm talking about reaching this level of financial freedom and independence that I talk about. This is key. And it's not necessarily what you probably like. Actually, that's not true because every time I do come up with a mindset or more about the depth of perception about people and money, that actually is more of my popular episodes. But I realize that most people don't really at first want to talk about it. So I have on someone who is very qualified to talk about this and who's going to really break it down for us about our money mindset. And she has a background in psychology, clinical psychology, and I'm excited to have her on the show. So she is Money Mitra. And you'll hear more about why this topic is so important. But welcome to the show, Money Mitra. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Yeah, and I love what you're doing. 
because this is so needed when we are talking about not just raising income levels and being mindful of expenses, but none of that will sustain itself unless you have the behavior and mindset to back that up. And so many people, before we started recording, you said don't even understand how their thoughts, how their relationship with money affects their behavior and everything around them. And so I know you're going to break that down for us. I'm excited about that. Yes. Now you have a background and clinical psychology. Can you tell us how you got into finances? Because you, at one point, this wasn't what you were going to do, right? It was something different. Right. I was on a totally different path. I actually started out pre-med and then I realized that I didn't like blood and I even had to question, why am I going into medicine? Is it for other people? Is it for validation? Is it for, you know, to make my parents happy? So I had to kind of do some internal work there. I knew at the core that I wanted to help people and psychology just really fascinated me. I think, you know, the human mind behavior, the psyche is really, really amazing and interesting and really the foundation of everything that we do. So I ended up going into psychology. I also went and got a master's in clinical psychology. And when I came out in 2009 and I graduated, I actually could not get a job in my field. A lot of employers were saying, oh, we'd love to hire you, but you need more experience. So I was in that, you know, catch 22 position and I ended up kind of just working some odd end jobs and ended up actually in the mortgage industry. A friend of mine said, I think that you'd be a really good fit. You're great at building relationships and rapport and you should try it out. So here I am never having a mortgage at that time. Um, At the time, I thought it was something that was for old people. And now as you age or as I have aged, I've realized, you know, this is something that can be a wealth building vehicle. But I only knew about, you know, a 15 year and a 30 year and that was it. And then everything else I had to teach myself. But even in that role, I was able to see behaviors and patterns and trends, you know, looking at credit reports, seeing the amount of money that people were making, looking at even racial differences and the wealth gap. And that's really how I got into that. It just really fascinated me. And so, you know, last year I basically combined those two passions, psychology and finance. And so I teach people about the psychology of spending which again is the foundation of everything. I mean, we basically have a money blueprint and a lot of us don't even understand that. And we also don't understand how really our inner world creates our outer world, which is so important. And it's, it's why so many people feel you know, shame and guilt and avoidance when it comes to money, because basically there is a subconscious pull that's going on that is out of our awareness. You know, We're subconsciously programmed and conditioned um, you know, from very early on, when it comes to money and our money scripts, we're looking at the ages of two to seven, where we're getting a lot of that experience. We're seeing our caregivers or our parents, you know, modeling certain behaviors and the way that they deal with money and the way that they view and feel about themselves becomes, you know, our script until we have the awareness to break those cycles. Yes. Okay. So let's take it all the way back. So since you brought up already, like how we get our money scripts downloaded to us, right? So at a certain point before we can really start making our own decisions, we are under the realm of our family, right? And that's right. very important, very influential. And I always found it interesting. And I see this in any really real area. I always often find like, let's just say you weren't raised in a household where money management was something that was done. I feel like either you follow those footsteps or you do the total opposite because you're like, I'm not going to do that. Um, and I know it's, you know, there's probably a lot more terms for that and how that works. But what are some of the ways in which 
we are getting all this information downloaded to us as children and how can we break free of that as we become adults and are aware and have more control over our lives? So I would say, obviously, through modeling and children, if you even look at them, you know, they have big eyes. It's almost like they're under hypnosis, which they actually kind of technically are. Everything that we are being exposed to, just like when it comes to social media and we're scrolling and we're seeing, it's going into our psyche and it triggers emotions. It makes us feel certain ways. So we even actually have money triggers. And in psychology, even the term trigger essentially is an unhealed wound. So there are some certain things that have happened to us. And sometimes we tell ourselves stories and narratives that are not even true. You know, so when it comes to money scripts, these are subconscious, they're out of our awareness. And it's really just what we've been told. It's almost like a situation of, you know, a family where, you know, basically maybe they have a ham every Christmas and they cut off, maybe the grandmother has cut off the end of it. And and now the daughter, whoever is doing it now, so she calls her parent and is like, why did you cut off the ham? Because she didn't even know the reason why she did it. And it goes back, you know, she, her, the great grandmother did it. And so finally they get the root of it. The reason she put the ham in the pan and, and cut the ends off is because it didn't fit in the pan originally. So sometimes we have outdated methodology or survival tactics that impact and imprint our views on money. And so, for example, you know, in me uncovering my own money story and money scripts, our story is so important. So, for example, for me, my mother is, you know, with the world, how she would identify or the way that they would label her as a Southern Black woman from Pulaski, Tennessee. And Pulaski is known for two things, you know, Sundrop and the Ku Klux Klan. There's history there. And then my father is a Persian or Iranian immigrant from Iran. And he came here during the Iranian hostage crisis. And, and we all have a story. It doesn't you know, matter our race or whatnot. We all have you know, pain and, and trauma. But some groups, and especially you know, minorities, it can be you know, exacerbated. It can be you know, a larger source of pain. And we don't think about that. And what I find so interesting, interesting but not that the mainstream personal finance experts are not discussing this. But at the same point, it's not their experience when we think about, you know, the big names that we know about. So, you know, we have to look into that. Yeah. For example, like with my mother, we think about scarcity mindset and abundance mindset. And that is really rooted in what do we believe that we are worthy of? And a lot of times what the world has projected onto us, and that is really based upon our experience in the world. And we don't even realize at a subconscious level. I mean, I don't think that it is a coincidence that the wealth gap is the way that it is, one, from a historical context, but two, just the experience of the way the world sees us with classism, with racism. I mean, these are real topics that, you know, have to be discussed. Even with my father, you know, him being an immigrant, I would say that, you know, minorities, there's still that experience. He came during the Iranian hostage crisis. You know, there were eggs thrown at his door. He was essentially a child coming to the world, wanting to have the American dream, the picket fence to start a family, but still dealing with discrimination and racism. But he also had, um, I would say, you know, preferred minority perks in some situations as well. So it's, it's hard for us to see, or we have to take a look at some of the privileges in the way that we experience it, but also the pain and the way our mere existence in the world occurs within the systems that we live in. Now, that doesn't mean that we stay there, that we say, oh, I can't get over this. I can't be anything more than this. It's just having the awareness, having this in our consciousness, increasing our consciousness, 
and then saying, okay, now what am I going to do to change that? And a lot of it is education. You know, it's Mm -hmm. about knowing ourselves. And there is a collective awakening going on right now. Like people are awakening. It's a very amazing thing to see. And I think the more that we know about ourselves, like I said, the, the triggers that we have, also what people are projecting onto us that is not really ours. It's important to be able to peel those layers back and to say, this is not about me. Because a lot of times people are projecting, that's a term we use in psychology, they are projecting their own negative mental chatter onto us. Like we're all just kind of operating day in, day out. And I find it very interesting, for example, on social media, how we can see people making negative comments and they could very easily channel that energy into something positive and uplifting, but that they'll take the time to, you know, bring someone down. That really is a reflection of how they feel about themselves. So again, if we can remove what is ours versus what is not ours and not allow that to impact our self-worth, we'll be in so much of a better place. And that's one of the other things that I talk about a lot is our self-worth versus our net worth because our money is not who we are. Our career is not who we are. And we each have to define our own version of success. If we allow social media to determine that or what our parents want for us or society, then we will never be able to you know, find that sense of peace and of who we truly are because we are all each unique souls in the world here to basically fulfill our purpose and our passion. Money is simply a tool to allow us to do that. Right, right. Okay, so uh, much like great information here. And it's so complex. It's so complex. And there's levels to levels to levels to this, all of this. And, you know, not only do we have our cultural and our racial preconceptions and scripts and all these things, and then you have your own personal kind of like family, right? Your individual Mm -hmm. family. So there's a lot of information and preconceived notions and perception and just like situations that we are born into. Also though, that we not only are just born into that, we also keep up not understanding if we don't understand how to break the cycle. And I think it's totally true about the top personal finance experts. So, you know, there are a lot that are up and coming now, but just especially the ones that have made it very mainstream, they have a different experience than someone like myself and you, right? And Mm -hmm. it's really important that our voices are heard. And, you know, I'm carrying the torch and putting people like you on my platform because I want to show what this space looks like. Like it is diverse and there are a lot of topics that we're not going to be able to solve all the problems in one conversation, but we can plant a seed in which someone can now say, wow, wait, I need to like think about that a little bit more. One of the things that I want to talk about is because self-worth and net worth, I think, and when you were talking, you know, this quote, it was, I think it's a Kanye West quote. And he was like, they made us hate ourselves and love their wealth. And it kind of goes to what you said that you're, you talk about psychology and spending and we are trying to, I always have a hard time saying this because I don't want to be judgmental for people for liking nice things, expensive things. Mm -hmm. There are some things I like that somebody might be like, that's just not worth it. Right. And so we all have our right to buy the things we want and to like floss or whatever it is to do what we want. Right. But when it comes from a place of trying to cover up or fill a gap, that's when it's not good. And especially when you already don't have your finances in order or it's causing you to get deeper in debt and not reach your ultimate like financial goals. So how does one decide, right? What's their thinking, like what they really enjoy doing or what they value versus what's been told to them or that they are trying to impress like other people. Like you said, you had to really think like, am I going to school? Am I getting this pre-med degree? Cause I want to, or is it because what other people want? Right. Right. And 
I think, again, it's just increasing the awareness and the consciousness. And even like when I was hearing you say that, because it's, it's very interesting, like I go back to a lot of old Kanye, because he does speak a lot of truth. And really, music is so powerful, we have to take a step back and even look at the conditioning there. But for example, like a lot of the music that we were listening to, or that we have been listening to, I think back on the impact that it's had on me. And if it's talking about, you know, cash money and this and that, even when it comes to marketing, it is intentionally, um, you know, triggering our insecurities and the way that we feel about ourselves of not feeling enough, of feeling inadequate when the world has already made us feel that way. Or for example, when we had all these fashion designers playing on black outrage, you know, when mm-hmm. it comes to some of the, the items that we're putting put out and then knowing that people will still purchase those items. So there's that sense of you're basically alluding to of internalized racism or self-hatred and being able to take a step back. And I know it can kind of sound harsh, but it's like it's a reality. And I actually um, met with a group of women yesterday. I have this event called Money Talks and we uh, my mission is to normalize money conversation like we're doing here. But also how do we navigate in a world where money talks through social advantage, power and control? Because these issues are very real. And we can't so much, you know, worry about going against the machine and dismantling these systems right now. I mean, we could if we were all to be together. And I think that's a totally other topic and situation. But, you know, for example, even colorism, which colorism goes even beyond the African-American community and Middle Eastern communities, Hispanic communities, Asian communities. There's this level of classism or a caste system based upon the level of melanin in your skin. And it's really absurd, but that's the way the world sees it. And I was even sharing with them last night that I was, you know, at an event, there were several people and I was speaking at the event and someone, you know, that was attending walked in and she's like, Hey, do you work here? And I always question my own stories and narratives because we can create those, but it just made me wonder, you know, what is it of all the people that you would ask that? Um, And then it was that awkward moment of silence when I told her I was speaking on the panel. So just this implicit bias that, you know, occurs in the world. And when we start to just be aware of it, again, we can't let our experience or our race hold us back, but we can also be aware. And by discussing these truths that do exist in the world, I'm not saying that everyone sees it in that way, of course, but there's still a lot of people that are operating from that place of conditioning and what their parents told them and really never questioning that, especially in the South being, you know, deeply rooted, but that also persist in South Africa very heavily, you know, in Asia between um, the fair skin being a sign of wealth versus um, those that work in the rice field that have been in the sun being the workers and lower class. So just being aware of that and then kind of peeling back those layers as to how am I allowing how the world sees me or how have my parents that their experience and what they projected on me, for example, even comments like, oh, money doesn't grow on trees you know, those are limiting beliefs. And we can say, okay, well, money doesn't really grow on trees, but then in a way it kind of does its paper. But we have this perception that it's hard to make money. And that was something that I even had to unlearn because I was going and earning money the hard way, as I would say. And not that there's anything, you know, wrong with that, but I was, I was grinding. I wasn't listening on ways to invest. I was just like saving to save. And I think as a woman and also being in the South, for example, we have this tendency to be polite also. And so we can be polite with our money or also just, you know, because we are the matriarchs 
historically and having the need, you know, to take care of children, we tend to be more risk averse than men. Men just aren't afraid to take risk as much. And then we even look at the conditioning from a toy aspect. What are the toys that we are given as girls very early on? The first toy. And, you know, it's funny because now I have a daughter, my first two are boys and I see it and I'm probably a little guilty of this. Not, and it's interesting because I make a very conscious effort. Like they can play with all the toys. It doesn't matter if the boys are trying to play with the dolls. She's trying to play with the cars. I don't care. Like everyone's playing with toys, but I see it now with the gifts that people like get hurt. So it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, there are dolls in the house now and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's interesting because you are conditioned and there's all these little things that are occurring that you're not realizing, right? You're not conscious enough or you don't have that power yet to like mm-hmm. push back on or realize what it's, what it's doing. But then, you know, it all accumulates into becoming who you are or helping you become who you are. And it's not until you can really step outside of yourself and say, wait a minute, like I can choose what I do. And I think this concept and not, it's not a concept, it's real, but this idea and this conversation around privilege, usually it's like, I like talking about it because I like bringing it to awareness, but there's levels to privilege. I always like have to say, we know that there is like a white male privilege. We know that, right? And right, even though everyone doesn't want to admit it, but it does exist. We are living in a white patriarchal system, you know, with the foundation of white supremacy, and that is what it is. I mean, I think people have to. It's hard for people to see outside of the fact, especially because there are a lot of poor white. Americans. And so when right. they hear the word, oh, I'm privileged, like, no, I'm not. And I've right, even seen on social media, like this person who is a person of color, black person, they drive a BMW, they have privilege. Right. But it's just even the existence in their skin, that experience. And I've always been this way. I'm, I try to always put myself as much as I could um, from some, like see someone else's perspective. And I get why they could get offended because of that, because you know, they're thinking it's an attack on the work that they, the hard work that they've done, right? Because a lot right. of them also, you know, not every white male has, was born into, you know, monetary means and they had to work really hard for the things right. they had to, you know, but there's a level of privilege. And I love this quote. It's like, privilege is not what you had to go through. It's what you didn't have to go through. So there's levels that you would never understand what it feels like. I mean, I'm sure they would, but like, in certain situations to always be the only one in the room or to be asked sometimes, do you work here? And while it may, it may mm-hmm. happen sometimes to like a white person, it's different when um, it constantly occurs to you and as a person of color. But I also say all that to say, we also though, as I think people of color, black people, minorities have a level of privilege. And because it's not only just about like our skin color, it's also about the families that we're born into or the level of information education that we got, right? So there's like educational privilege. There's like even mm-hmm. if you have access to the internet, you're listening to this podcast, right? a privilege. And it's not to take away from anyone's situation like, oh, well, that doesn't, you know, like, so what are you trying to say? Like, there are not things holding me back, but I'm also big on self-responsibility And uh, like you said, like now choosing, like choosing another way and choosing another path as best as you can, because you can't wait for society to change, right? The best you can do is work from the inside out. Correct. Again, you know, increasing consciousness, increasing awareness, but um, I don't want to say, I guess there's no excuse, but with the level of resources and the internet and everything being a click away, there are so much information out there. And really it takes one, either, you know, educating yourself or finding a safe space to have other people educate you. I think there's just a lot of power in that, um, just being able to be around, you know, like-minded people and to discuss these real situations that we don't 
talk about and just going back to what you said, you know, it doesn't mean that any person is void of pain or suffering. You know, that is a part of the human experience, regardless of race, education, socioeconomic status, all of those different things. It's just, again, the experience. And like you said, there are also privileges that because we may be the only person that looks like us in a certain setting or in a, in a corporate job or whatever that is, we also more memorable in Mm -hmm. that way. Um, And I think that we all have unique gifts. I believe that we all come into the world with what we're supposed to have. You know, I also talk a lot about entitlement. I think there's two different forms of entitlement. I think there's the haves that I'm entitled to not having to do for anybody else or to withhold this and really operate. I mean, that is a scarcity mindset. You know, we have a lot of philanthropists that don't mind giving or they do excessively. But when you hold on that and money becomes your identity, then you can't really be happy in that sense either. Then we also have the other form of entitlement where the world is against me. I didn't have anything. So the world owes me or it's okay for me to take other people's stuff. And that's not right either. And that's kind of, you know, more on the have not. So it's really questioning ourselves, you know, analyzing and and diving deep into who we are, into our good and our dark side, as you would say, because we all have one. Again, that's part of the the human experience, but it's part of the evolution process to say, okay, now that I know these things and it's coming into my awareness, how can I be a better human being? And by doing that, by shifting my mindset into one of abundance, now I don't have to fear other people taking what I have or that there's not enough because I know within the world or whatever spiritual element, you know, the universe that all these things can come to me and they can flow freely. And it's really just clearing out that energy because our mind, our brain really doesn't know the difference between a thought and what has actually happened in the world. Our mind is very, very powerful, but we have to really, really truly believe that. And it's through those, you know, mantras and affirmations that we can reprogram the subconscious mind. And that's really what has to happen at an individual level to be able to change our situation. Because a lot of people, if they don't change that money blueprint, they wind up in those same cycles over and over and over. And it's the same thing, even from a perspective of what we experience in our life, um, those same things that we've modeled. I mean, subconsciously, we can be have, or we do, we have that subconscious pull to act out certain behaviors until we're willing to change them. To change it. Yeah. Right. And that's our responsibility. I mean, regardless of the background we got, regardless of who our parents were or what they gave us or did not, you know, they, nobody can give something that they didn't have themselves. People do the best that they can. And we really, when things happen, even with money, I think there's a lot of pain, you know, for example, if people have lent people money or they've made bad decisions, we label ourselves as, as being bad or as being good, but really it's just, okay, we made a mistake. We have to forgive ourselves for those money mistakes, have compassion for ourselves. I find it very interesting that we have the tendency to have compassion and, and give forgiveness to other people a lot easier, but not so much for ourselves and then be able to move on from those. And it it can be challenging, you know, but it's like, what is the lesson that I'm supposed to learn here is really, I think, the best question to ask ourselves. Right, right. And there are some things that are happening that, like you said, it's subconscious, you don't even know. For example, there's something like called the black tax, and this can apply to other cultures too, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you are or races too. Like if you are the first one in your family to earn a good living and like everything's riding on you, then especially if you come from a culture where you're expected to help out, that can be a lot, right? That's a lot 
for someone to need to now, like they're taking care of their family. And some of that is like by out of necessity. Like if they don't, then the family may be out on the street or whatever, whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. But it also holds that, that person back a little bit and or slows down their progression. And I wonder how many people actually are afraid about earning a lot of money because of the burden that is placed on them. Because I actually interviewed someone today and I don't know if it's going to come up before this interview or not, but Kanisha, she's um, from Jamaica and we we're talking about her situation. And she said at one point, because she became the bank for her family, that she was just so tired of being the responsible one that she just blew through her money. Cause she was like, you know, I, this is too much pressure. So that way when they come to me and they ask me for it, or my mom comes to me and asks me for it, I can say, I don't have it. And I, and I don't have it. Now she's learned obviously. And she has a wonderful story about like what she would have done differently now that she's where she is. But I wonder how many people are afraid to like ascend past what's the baseline level, maybe where their family is or what's norm for mm-hmm. what's around them because they're afraid of how other people see them, what may be expected of them. And I think sometimes like even me, like I have some of those like fears and no one's put this on me. No one's, no one really asks me for anything in my family anyway, but it's more of, Oh, but with this, what would people think of me now? If I become this like successful person and you know, I'm on the cover of Forbes, what, what will this bring? And, and what kind of sabotaging, things are you doing to prevent yourself from getting to the next level because you're afraid of all that stuff that you are, you don't even know to identify that you're not talking about. Right. And that is a very, very real phenomenon that is experienced. It's actually very common, especially I think in general, because I was actually talking to an Uber driver and he was a white male, but he was sharing his experience that at a time, I guess his parents had one of them lost their jobs during the financial crisis and he had to take care of his parents and he would have had like $40,000, but he only had 4,000 by helping them. And I asked him, did he have any, you know, anger or resentment? And he said, no, but I think again, subconsciously, we don't, we don't always know how to handle or what our emotions truly are. And financial intelligence is very much in line with emotional intelligence. I talk about this you know, all the time. And it's about being honest. And I think as, as humans, as adults, we have guilt of seeing our parents as the flawed individuals that they are. It's okay maybe to have those emotions of, of anger, which again, tends to be, you know, it is a secondary emotion, but it's from a source of pain. And if we can be honest with that, then we can uncover it. And I, you know, I asked him, I was like, do you think that you're deflecting from that pain? And he's like, I very well could be, you know, masking it. And I just found that very interesting. Now, when we look at communities of color, because with the wealth, there's this, you know, astronomical wealth gap that is going on. But when it comes to having wealth, you know, and having generational wealth and a seat at the table, it does make life easier. And people deal with stress, you know, not having money or poverty really is a form of trauma. And we don't talk about that. It is hard to make good decisions. It is hard to increase your consciousness and awareness when you are operating from a place of survival is, you know, very near impossible because you're just trying to make ends meet. And we're looking at, you know, Maslow's hierarchy in psychology, the very bottom foundation are our basic needs. The next one I think is, you know, to move on to, you know, belongingness and acceptance, which are still human needs. So when you're in the world and you're already having a certain experience just based upon your race, I mean, that can compound that. It just makes you feel like you can't get past that. And a lot of people, because of the lack of independence, because when there's not wealth or families are very tightly knit or what we call enmeshment or codependency, it can lead to 
children or adults that have that level of success feeling a sense of guilt and that they have to give because they're the one that made it. It's like having a fear of success, which is a very real thing in itself. But then it's like when you're the person that is the perception of success and then people are planting those seeds. Oh, oh, you think you're better than everybody. Oh, you should be doing doing more to help. Like, you know, you're not living you know, your life and you seem to be doing well, but what about me? It's like that survivor's right. guilt, right? Like exactly. when you survive from the whole concept of surviving, the only one being able to survive in, in the concept of money, it's like, okay, me being the, not the only one thriving, but it, right. it seems like that I am thriving and I am, but it's like, there's mm-hmm. guilt maybe around that, but you know how hard you work and it's just like, right. well, and you're just like, what? Go out and, and, and like work for it, all right? Right, and we all have free will and the ability to make our own choices. And again, yes, do certain people have certain privileges? Yes. Do I think some people are just different? I mean, I think it's also a mindset thing. Do we have a fixed mindset where we have an inability to change? It's harder to change. Or do we have a growth mindset? You know, and it's just something that we have to be aware of. And then how do we make those changes? And the only way to do that, for example, is... In psychology, we talk about desensitization as a form to overcome fears. The only way to overcome a fear is really to experience that fear over again and to be able to move through it. And I think that that's something that is very important. And like even myself, you know, personally, because of the conditioning of being a woman and wanting to save and also, you know, being real, I think, you know, as a person of color, like what you were saying. We want to be flashy because we want to be seen in a world that we have not been seen or we have not been heard. And sometimes we will do that in a way that is detrimental to us. And that's where we have to have that awareness of why am I doing this? Now, me personally, I like nice things. Don't get me wrong. It's not the things that are wrong because we all know that money is amoral. You know, it's not good or bad. It's not immoral or moral. We as humans attach those emotions. And, you know, like for myself, I mean, I remember that someone had, you know, made a comment. I was happy with what I was doing or, you know, I thought I was and they, you know, laughed about the amount of money I was making per hour. And it really set me on fire. I was like, well, I'm going to show you. And so now I'm operating from this place of pain or anger or having to be validated in the world and saying, okay, I'm going to make six figures. And I did that. I did that consistently. But I realized that as I moved up and when I got there, when I arrived, I wasn't happy. And, you know, money, we know it doesn't give us happiness. And when it comes from a source of pain or anger, it is not going to give us happiness. It is not going to give us joy. And that is that hamster wheel or revolving door that a lot of us can get in if we don't take a step back and say, okay, who am I? It's okay, even at whatever age, to take a step back and determine who we really are. What is our definition of success? And what do we want to do? Because everybody doesn't want to be a billionaire. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. somebody wants to, you know, move to Bali or someone wants to move on a farm and live off the land. We all have a different idea of what that looks like. And we have to determine what that is for us. And because the conditioning is so deep, because it happens over years and years and years and years and years. So as children, that's why they interact in the world in the purest form, because they don't they don't have those experiences yet. It's like why kids, they tell the truth. They don't know, you know, anything different. Like if you take them out to eat and it's, you know, kids under five eat for free. And the one that just turned, you know, six years old is like, no, mommy, I'm, I'm not five years old. You oh, know, they don't know any better. <laughs> yeah. So like they're blowing up the spot. Like we're trying to get the free mail. Just be quiet. Right. right. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's adults that have children, you know, lying or 
it's not always um, with ill intention. A lot of it is also to take care of the child to, you know, to fulfill the own parents. Um, Sometimes, you know, they want to live vicariously through the child, but sometimes it's because of their own fears and they don't want to see something happen to them. So it comes from a good place and it's what they know. Um, But sometimes that, you know, control and anxiety keeps, keeps children from blossoming into who they really are meant to be in the world. Right. And I always um, go back and forth about this because there's a part of me that feels like in the financial independence space. So, you know, on the bigger scheme of things, like this whole thought process is that, you know, you're going to save and invest and be smart with your money. And a lot of that looks like hoarding money because after you pay off the debt, right? So you're paying off the debt. You did that. Now you're saving and investing. And in order to like quit your job that you're not in love with or travel the world and do all these things and retire early and reach financial independence, it does take saving and investing and being smart with just the way you're putting your life together. And sometimes I think that looks a lot like coming from a scarcity mindset. And again, I think it's different when the person actually enjoys this. So there are some people who really enjoy like couponing and living frugally. And I'm Mm -hmm. all for that. I've had people on the podcast. I just had a dumpster diver on the podcast. And I I love learning from from that because I'm like, what can I take from your story that I, I can apply? But part of me also feels that in a way, like if it goes to like much in one direction, like being so scarce, you're like giving up dollars for time. So sometimes it's, you know, it's okay to actually spend money. And especially if it, it brings you a level of, I don't know, gives you some time back, a level of happiness. But I think for each person, that's going to look different. And they have to weigh how that impacts their goals, what their life of financial independence and freedom looks like. So I know you already gave some like good tips, but if we can give some like actionable stuff for people where they're just like, you know what, I do want to uncover really what it is like deep down, how I feel about money, my money scripts or my money wounds. How do they Mm -hmm. go about doing that practically? Having a neutral source, if it's something that, because we don't mean to, but sometimes we have a hard time being honest with ourselves or we might overestimate our strengths and underestimate our weaknesses. It's like having a blind spot. So having someone like myself, you know, as a money and mindset coach to help navigate that and to uncover the root, because even like with a plant, if the roots aren't healthy, whatever, it may look good on top, but eventually, you know, it's going to die. Like if we think about trees or something like that. And so we really need to be able to have that neutral ability to do that. Even uncovering in the sense of journaling, Or, you know, people talk about, you know, like future self journaling. And again, the thoughts in our mind, they are just as real as, you know, we don't know the difference as to what has really occurred in the world. So even journaling about it, maybe going back and uncovering our money story, you know, what are three things or what are some things that my mother said about money? What are things that my father said about money? Just really getting to the root of our beliefs or our limiting beliefs and the things that they said about money. And also, you know, they said about themselves, I mean, for example, like as women, we talked about, you know, the dolls and that basically creates like a nurturing behavior. So we want to take care of other people and it can play out in that way. So we have to be aware of that. But then also let's think about, you know, beauty standards and what our parents have said about, you know, what is pretty or what society says about what is pretty that can impact our spending. And we know that the beauty industry, it's a huge one or the hair industry. And, you know, not that there's anything, you know, wrong, like I said, we can spend our money and whatever we want, but it's when we are doing it in a way that is detrimental to ourselves 
and we're, I guess, cutting our nose to spite our face. So it's like we can't Mm -hmm. move forward and have progression if we don't understand the underlying roots of the way that we feel about ourselves or the way the world has made us feel about ourselves. And that even goes, again, like I said, beyond race, because I talk to so many people and hear their stories and there's so much, you know, power in that. I mean, I remember talking to this guy that worked for Home Depot and he got, you know, he had money set aside, a very common theme that we hear of the financial crisis and losing his retirement money. And he wasn't expecting to work, you know, at Home Depot at that time frame. And this other guy had a very similar story, but he had actually worked, I guess, in a high profile, you know, corporate job. And then he was doing something that he felt like just wasn't what he should be doing at the time. And I think even that, plays with our psyche. It it plays with our sense of worth um, and and being enough and that he was ashamed. He had shame that he couldn't take care of his wife and give her the life that he wanted her to have at that age. And these are two, you know, white males that we would say have privilege. So again, it's very real. Even if we look at politics, it's very interesting that, you know, people whose certain agendas really don't benefit them from a financial standpoint, but it's like that lack of awareness or really the sense of feeling like I got left behind, kind of like a, from a celebrity aspect that people want to brush shoulders with people or it makes them feel more important. So many mm-hmm. things play upon our sense of, of being enough or being you know, inadequate and it can cloud our judgment and we have to be aware of that or even you know, from a relationship aspect. I mean, I think a lot of times we don't think about how money, I mean, this you know, what is, what is society defined as traditional that the husband, you know, is the breadwinner. We're seeing these situations changing, but do people stay in unhappy situations for a sense of financial security? Yeah. Is that yeah. worth more than our happiness? And again, that's a, you know, I guess an individual question, but I think to live, to be our, our best and most highest and authentic selves, those are some questions that we really have to be honest. And, and I think right. sometimes as time goes by, it's like, okay, was I really being present? Was I experiencing life the way that I wanted? Or was I a product of my conditioning? But at the same time, it's never too late to make those changes and to make a difference or to go a different route or to reinvent yourself at any age. Yeah, I think that's really important. At any point in your life, you can choose something different. You can choose another way. And what I find often is that some people find my content and they're just like, oh my gosh, like this is like what I've been searching for. And I didn't know what I was searching for, but here it is. And oftentimes they're not where they want to be. This is a journey. Sometimes a journey can take a long time, especially Mm -hmm. depending on your income and your circumstances. And And it's not always linear. (laughs) It's not always linear. Sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down and you're not going to reach all your goals, right? In a year, you're not going to be able to quit your job that you don't like in a year, but what you resist persists, right? And so oftentimes what I find is that, like you said, our mind is such a powerful thing. And so I do want to talk a little bit about the journey itself, because I find so many people get impatient. I did myself too. I got impatient with how long it was going to take when I looked at like all the things going on in my life and becoming a mom of three and my commute. And I was like, I want the freedom now. And so I, I was able to work my way to that. And so I'm not like ultimately financial independent, but I was able to work something where now I do have some flexibility in my schedule. I'm, I'm my own boss now. And so there's a level of freedom here. And, but I want people while they're on the journey to understand that their mindset has a lot to do with it. So they can either make it really miserable because they're resisting their situation and they hate their job and every morning they're getting up and like, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. Or they're looking at it from a perspective of gratitude, even if it's not the perfect situation, but you know what? Like I I'm on the path. 
And so I guess I would want, I want to like leave some people with some fuel here (laughs) to continue on their journey with as best of a positive mindset as they can. So what are some tips for people on the journey who feel really frustrated that they're not where they want to be? Right. And I mean, I think one thing that you said that is so powerful, the power of gratitude or gratefulness of where we are in that present moment, because we could always be, you know, a worse situation. And as long as we are alive, as long as we have air, you know, going through us um, and, and blood moving around, we have the ability to make that change and to not fall victim to comparison. I think that's a very common thing that occurs. And guess what? It's human nature. Just like jealousy is human nature. We want to, you know, act like these things don't happen or insecurity. It doesn't matter at the end of the day, a part of the human experience are those emotions. It's just more so managing those emotions and not letting them get the best of you. It's about understanding, you know, the difference between instant gratification and, and delayed gratification and also finding balance. Everything in life is about balance. When we try to, you know, cut everything off, Um, That can cause us to binge or to have behaviors like that subconscious pull can be so strong. When you uncover those things, you can't make the changes so drastically. It's like going on a diet if you're cutting out carbs completely. Like how many people have done that? And then you binge like you see a pizza. You're like, okay, I'm just going for it. Give me all the bread, all the biscuits, (laughs) you know, everything. And so it's like you have to be very cognizant of that. And just, again, having compassion for yourself, knowing that, you know, you are worthy of change and knowing that it's okay, sometimes not to do anything that we are worthy just in the, in the fact of our divine birthright and that we don't have to hustle for our worth. And I think that, you know, we go through life, we have these experiences, somebody says something to us and it hurts. And a lot of times it's the people that are closest to us. It's our family, our, our friends, And again, it's that same mental chatter of the experiences that they've had or the way that they feel about themselves. They project that on us and we carry that for so long. And sometimes it's, you know, even asking about it. Don't let it fester. You know, when you do that, you know, a lot of times it ends up imploding and then you're like, how did I get here? And it's about um, being proactive rather than reactive. And again, increasing, you know, our emotional intelligence, again, is a learned behavior. To be honest, most of our parents don't know how to manage their emotions. And same thing with financial education, financial literacy, which again, go hand in hand. They are so intertwined. And again, you can't give somebody something that you didn't have, but we all have the ability to invest in ourselves. You know, whether that comes from an educational standpoint or having somebody help us, we have the ability to turn our situation around. And we can't play the victim. We can't wait for somebody to come and save us. We are responsible for saving ourselves and creating the life that we want, that we imagine, just like you have on your journey to launch or to financial independence or anything that anybody has, or like in my own experience and just understanding that, you know, that the lessons are there, take them, those even with gratitude, because sometimes you know, when we're being stubborn or hard-headed, we're going to keep running into those same situations because we didn't learn the lesson. The lesson, It's like, yeah, you can't go to the next level like on the video game until you pass this one. And, you know, some of us are very, very stubborn. Some of us learn through um, exaggerated pain and suffering. And it's like, how many times do you have to be, you know, punched in the face so you have a bloody nose or your head beaten up against the wall until we make those changes? And just having those, the awareness, the self-sabotaging that we talked about, having patience for ourselves, you know, giving that compassion and, and again, not having to hustle for our worth. I mean, that was a very big one for me 
that was very important and investing in myself. I think that I was kind of, you know, doing what we were talking about, like the hoarding behavior. And it's like, okay, you want to grow, you want to have wealth and you want to do all these things, but it's like, I'm holding on to it. Why am I holding on to it? And that's actually one of the healthy money scripts is money vigilance, you know, where we will hold on to it, but can, it can also look like hoarding. And it's like, well, how do we overcome that? And you overcome that by sometimes making a splurge because it's okay, again, to reward yourself. Mm-hmm. It's about having that balance and about knowing that you're worthy of enjoying life too. It's not all about living from this place of scarcity and never doing anything that you get to actually enjoy. And sometimes I think we beat ourselves up because we think we're not worthy of that, or we shouldn't go on this trip. And then we have the other reverse where sometimes we just do everything, you know, because we're not feeling like we're worthy of money in itself. And that's kind of like a, the, the opposite money script, money avoidance, where we yeah. avoid that or kind of like you say, we'll get rid of it. Like it's bad or rich people are bad, or I don't want this pressure. And yep. so it's, you know, uncovering those scripts and then rewriting them because we all have the ability to rewrite our narrative and to rewrite our story regardless of whatever we have been through. Because I can tell you, I mean, just because the way we show up in the world, like in social media, all these different things, we can look like we have it all together, but you know, we don't look like the mess that we've been through mm-hmm. and that's okay. And that's a very, very, you know, common theme. And I even, you know, work with a lot of people that a lot of times the persona and the perception that people are projecting, it's overcompensation. And it's so if we can learn to not compare ourselves to other people, because imagine if we were on social media and we were scrolling and we saw something that started to stir up those feelings of inadequacy. And then it said, okay, let's say it's me standing there, for example, and I'm there with all my designer clothes. But then it showed up and said, I have $200,000 of debt. It doesn't look as attractive at that, you know, at that point. Right. Well, yeah, you don't know the whole story. And I think so many gems dropped here for people to um, take in and to realize I love that you brought up some money scripts that people can start to kind of look into. And so my goal here is for if something triggered you or peaked in the air, you're like, oh, I need to learn more about that, then keep doing the research, keep investing the time to do that. And of course, Money Mitra, where can they find you if they want to learn more about you, follow your story? Where are you on social media? You can follow me at Money Mitra. So it's Instagram.com slash money. We all know how to spell that, M-O-N-E-Y. And M-I-T-R-A is how you spell my name. And I'm also on Facebook, facebook.com slash moneymitra as well. Awesome. And I'll link all that in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. And you are just a blessing to so many people. So we will continue to empower and uplift and all go on the journey together. Yes, yes. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mitra and that you found some things that you can start thinking and implementing in your life. Like start thinking about really what your money story is. Dig deep, be honest with yourself. And also remember that these things won't be healed overnight, right? It takes years and sometimes generations of the wounds that occur and that are are implanted in us that we need to heal. And so just remember to be gentle and patient with yourself on this healing journey. Now, again, if you want any of the episode show notes, go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 116. And then on social media, let me know what you thought of the episode, what resonated with you, like what's something that stood out. I'd love to see it. Share it with other people. This is how we get the podcast more out there and we get more journeyers involved in this journey to let people know financial freedom is possible for them. Now, as always, thank you so much for listening. 
I'll see you next week. And until then, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journeyers.